The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing Hello, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. This is Dave, and this is the Boston Podcast. Welcome to it. By the way, we produce this show out of our Westwood Studios, pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. You could be the next big podcast star. Just go to pod617.com. Lots of ways to get in touch with us. Listen to our shows. And then come on in, visit us. It's nice here. It's right off the highway. It's no big deal. It's never a schlep. I want to thank our sponsors right off the top, United States Postal Service, second largest employer in the United States, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today, usps.com slash careers. U.S. Postal Service, deliver for the nation. I also want to thank our friends at Adori. That's A-D-O-R-I. If you love the podcast, kids, and I know you do because you're listening to one right now, you should check out what it's like to consume a podcast on the Adori app. Go to the app store, A-D-O-R-I. Your podcast come to life. You see links and images and pictures and links to videos and all other kinds of cool stuff. Sometimes I put up a poll. There's a poll, so it'll come up right on the phone, and it'll say, does Dave talk too much? And the choices are yes, definitely, of course, and my ears hurt. So vote now, people. My guest today, who has been sitting here very patiently and politely, is the lovely, the elegant, the wonderful, the smart, the legendary Laurie McDonald. My friend Laurie McDonald is here. Good morning, Dave. Have I... Scared you off yet? That's the question. Have I scared you off yet? No. Oh, good. Okay. So I've known Lori for years. She is the finance administ- administrator. It, yes, sir. It sounds very official. The finance administrator at the law firm known only as Morse. Am I allowed to say what it used to be called? Yes, please do. Dave. Okay. The law firm formerly known as Morse, Barnes, Brown, and Pendleton. Okay. So now that I finally got that right, it's no longer the name. So terrific. <laughs> I, I mean, I trip up on the Morse. The, the hyphenated names are hard, right? You know, Morse Browns. Is Mr. Morse Browns or Ms. Morse Brown still around? Or Barnes no? Brown. Barnes yes, Brown. that's Sorry, Peter. Yeah. Oh, so he's still around. Okay, terrific. Yes. All right. My apologies, Peter. And also my condolences because your name is no longer on the masthead. <laughs> so um, I've known Lawyer for years and I wanted to get in here because she's uh, one of these people that runs the city from behind the scenes. This is your story. You know what? Sit back. You know, I'm going to turn your microphone off. I'm just going to tell your story. (laughs) Now that I think about it, you didn't even have to be here. Uh, No, but Lori has been the the driving force, the heart and soul of this wonderful law firm, which I would, do you call it a boutique law firm? It is a boutique, but it's focused on corporate law and IP. Right. And always like the finest people at this firm. I've, I've had a lot of friends and still have a lot of friends over there. And, um, uh, Mary Beth Kerrigan, we were just talking about you and how cool you are. We went to high school together. Did you know that? No, and, I yeah, didn't. Yeah, Milton, Milton Academy. We were classmates at Milton Academy. And um, so, but and now you, but you've always, you've worked for the firm for a while. You started when you were two years old and you were there for, you've been there for. It's very close. I was the first employee hired. Is that right? And that was 25 years ago. The okay. firm's been in existence for 26 years. But they went without uh, any support, just the two new initial partners, Peter Barnes-Brown and Chip Morse, 
in the very beginning, but when they wanted someone to be the general factotum and run around and do everything else, they hired me, and I'm still there. And I remember the day we met, and you started talking to me, and I actually assumed after five minutes of talking to you, you were the managing partner of the firm. <laughs> and it turns out, no, you're, you don't even have a law degree, but it was very clear that you run the place and that you're one of these secret people that runs the city and greater Boston behind the scenes. And before long on this podcast, you're going to hear about um, Lori's connection to not only um, the sort of Camelot days of Massachusetts politics, but also Hollywood royalty, both. How is that for a teaser? But before we do that, we need to put Lori in the Boston vault as we do with all of our guests. Don't worry, these, uh, these men are here for your protection, the armed guards, the big swinging metal doors. There's a door coming up. Here it is. It's a heavy one. Right there. Okay. All right. Enough. They get the point. All right. Here are some questions about our fair city and your love for, uh, I hope, love or appreciation or tolerance for our fair city. <laughs> you grew up in Malden, right? I did. What would you say Malden is best known for? There's no uh, right at answers. the time, Converse Rubber and making oh, okay. uh, the sneakers that everybody wore, especially Larry Bird. But Converse Rubber. And is Converse and, still stationed they, in, I, in I'm the not sure whether the headquarters okay. are still there, but it was when I was growing up. What is it about Massachusetts and sneakers? So we have Con- Converse. We had, you know, Paul Fireman started Reebok and famously in Stoughton. And New Balance. And New Balance as well. Yeah. Like well, we vote with our feet, world. I think. <laughs> Hey, leave hey. the jokes to me. Okay. Um, I was, I'm looking for your rim shot. It's one of these buttons here. Hey, I've picked the right button today. Good. Um, so tell me, uh, what fondest memory of growing up in Malden? My fondest memory? Yeah. Could it be like something Rockwellian, like an ice cream shop or something of that nature? Um, no. I think my fondest memory is the fact that Malden used to be a center for all the towns in the surrounding area like Medford and Everett, et cetera, because we had a Jordan Marsh mm-hmm. and we had three movie theaters. We had the wow. Granada that ran first run films. We had the auditorium that ran um, your serials and um, horror films, cowboy stuff. Right. And then you had the Strand Theater that mm. took everything else. So to have a shopping center that had a Jordan Marsh and have three movie theaters and the Kernwood restaurant, there was a lot of activity in Malden that was not true of the surrounding towns, even though it was the same blue-collar working town that it's always been. Did you did, did they serve those blueberry muffins at, at uh, Jordan Marsh there? I wouldn't know. No. I, did, I didn't go after them. I'm not a fan of blueberry muffins. What? Sorry, I know. Oh I know they're famous. Yes. I think that was only the downtown. I think you're probably right. That's, that's uh, for those that don't know, it used to be a tradition back in the day. The, the Jordan Marsh downtown was known for two things. Wait, they had the Christmas displays, right? That was Jordan oh, Marsh, yeah, right? Yeah. Had- the... the just elaborate Christmas. The Enchanted Village. Enchanted Village. And also, just just if you're just happening by, oh, just talk about a Rockwellian scene. Like, you're walking through Downtown Crossing before it smelled really bad. I mean, it's not that bad. It's not that bad now. It's gone through its ups and downs. But you're walking through Downtown Crossing, and you walk across just the windows of Jordan Marsh was a treat for me as a kid, because yeah. it was like... Kind of like a scaled down version of a, a Disney World ride with like the moving figures and, you know, the spinning Christmas trees and, you know, the phony snowmen and all that business. 
Uh, and then the other thing was the the blueberry muffins, which were heavenly. And don't forget that Filene's was directly across the street. Right. And with Filene's basement, the original and real Filene's basement. But, yeah. Uh, the filings had competitive windows after a certain point. So oh, they, they did. Oh, yeah, so it was. A, so they did. So you could war. have a real winter wonderland yeah. walking down. That's cool. That yeah. filings, but the original filings basement, known for like fist fights breaking out, like people, like uh, people fighting over wedding dresses, and whatnot. Yes, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, those are the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> tell us your fa- it's favorite spot in Boston proper, downtown. What's your favorite? spot to visit like uh, you know if you're bringing somebody from out of town well you got to see this or that or whatever. that's hard that's hard to pick yeah. i'm a big fan of the copley square uh center where trinity church and the boston public sure. library which is the as you know uh the first public library in the united states mm-hmm. uh, and i think a gorgeous building and a wonderful resource that's kind of highfalutin i also love the boston common Sure. And the public gardens. Mm-hmm. I think it's a beautiful spot. And I think the best thing about Boston in general is how walkable it is. Yep. So my favorite thing to do would be to take the tea from uh, Wellington Station. It used to be Everett Station before there was a Wellington. And get off at Haymarket mm-hmm. and then walk across town. So you go up and over Beacon Hill and down through the Boston Common and the public gardens and then down either Arlington or Newbury Street and end up in Copley Square and then you could pick up the tea and go back. Yeah. I, I used to go as a kid in high school, if we had like a, a half day, we would take, so I went to school at Milton Academy, humble brag. Thank you. Yes. Dear old Milton. Uh, but I went to school. We used to walk down to the, it was, it was, I guess it was the Mattapan tea station was within like less than a mile from Milton Academy. So you could walk down and get on the red line and take it downtown and we would go we pick either Harvard Square or Faneuil Hall and it was like a rite of passage to learn the subway system and for a suburban kid who was slightly scared to go downtown and Boston wasn't as peaceful as as it is now in those days if you wandered into what we now call the theater district it was the combat zone and it was dicey like it was dicey but but that was a rite of passage for the for me the the uh sheltered suburban kid and then you know to learn how to get we have to get it whenever we got to park street we were always confused as hell because there are like four different directions to go when you get to park street station you have to switch there you know and but you know you should learn it as a kid Plus, I was colorblind. I grew up colorblind with that affliction. So how do I, I tell the difference between the red line and the green line? No, it's not that bad, actually. All right, so, so we got to let Lori out of the vault. Before you out of the vault, applicable, it will keep you in the vault while we take a look at the trailer for this show, which you've seen, which I haven't seen yet. It just came out this year, City on a Hill. You've uh, maybe kind of heard of it. Kevin Bacon's involved. Boston's involved. I'm going to play a little of the trailer, and then I want your review, Laurie, if you would. Do you, is this, is this, are these terms uh, acceptable to you? Yes, they are. Okay, so here's the uh, trailer for City on a Hill. Fellas. And here comes trouble. Of course he would. Jackie Roar, FBI. You mind if I call you D? I have an arraignment. Arraignment's what I want to talk to you about. Your suspect's an informant of mine. He's working a decent case. You want me to let him off? Is there a misunderstanding here? No, no, no. See, I understand perfectly. What are you, some kind of asshole? I got no love loss for the Boston Police Department, but there was a time when I would never have to explain myself. There's a hundred K in a bag and you turn it in with only 75. Doesn't mean you're a bad guy. How's your night? Awful. What was so bad about work? This is affirmative action hire. 
<laughs> this is the next mayor of Boston. Ask it jail time for cops. I want to rip out the machinery in this bullshit city. I want to tear it all down. What the fuck do you need me for? Crew knocked over an armored car. Oh, and we've got an uh, armed car robbery of some sort, um, masked thieves, which now we're noticing that uh, Affleck and Damon are the executive producers. And I'm just wondering if there's a coincidence that, you know, um, the town, you know, Affleck, one of the stars of the town, which also, which also featured a bank robbery, looks suspiciously like that one. But whatever. Okay, let's not nit- nitpick right off the bat. <laughs> okay, so takes place in Boston in 1992. The first voice you heard was Kevin Bacon reprising his terrible accent from uh, Mystic River, <laughs> I think. Um, but uh, what you, what, tell us about the show. Did you like it? Have you, have you seen all of this? Or, I have or, seen all okay. of it. Uh, and as it happens, I had uh, been working in the legal field since 1977. In my early days, I was working in criminal law, working with a prominent uh, criminal defense attorney. So I very much enjoyed the behind-the-scenes look that this show did of the DA's office, uh, although this was around the time that Newman Flanagan was the DA. Sure. And they don't have anybody representing Newman. Okay. It's a different character. Is the and DA is the, in the show uh, African-American? or No. Wh- okay. Cause, well, cause, the assistant DA is. Because Ralph and, Martin came after Newman Flanagan, if memory serves. I don't right. know if he so, was Boston's first black DA. But the head DA, DA that, been, yeah. in 1992 yeah. would have been Newman Flanagan. Right. And that's not represented. And there's a mixture in this story of real historical I figures. See. Uh, and they talk a lot about the Charles Stewart incident oh. that, and talk about how tense uh, race relations were in the city because of busing mm-hmm. and because of the Charles Stewart, uh, Stewart uh, episode. I'm going to assume that most of your listeners I'll know give, about... I'll, give, I'll try to give the 20-second version. Uh, Charles Stewart one night called 911 to say that a black person had uh, assaulted and shot his wife, right? As his a, pregnant his wife. His pregnant wife. As it turns out, not so. Charles had done the shooting himself. And after um, some time went by, it became a racial thing because he, he chose to make the fictional killer <laughs> a black person. Right. And after some time, uh, either the guilt got to him or the, the wall started closing in on Charles and he, he jumped off the Tobin uh, Bridge, right? Yeah, I will. Add, yes, yeah. he did. But I will yeah. add to that that his own brother, who was in on it with him, oh, right. he had his brother shoot him uh, as well oh, as yeah. uh, story. Mm. the wife. So the story would be believable. And when his brother was cracking and going to confess to the That's police, he went off the bridge. Charles right. Stewart did. Right. And so, of course, the most important thing was Marky Mark made a music video based on the Charles Stewart thing. It was called Walk on the Wild Side. Uh, don't don't look for it. It's terrible. <laughs> he really did that. So there, there is a mixture in this show of things that were real and sort of ring true. And by the way, they have the bank robbers being from Charlestown, and yeah. they talk a lot about the Charlestown uh, code of silence, which was also probably inherently accurate, but somewhat exaggerated in this. Mm-hmm. So, like most fiction on TV, uh, it's not always believable, but the story is gripping enough because they're trying to portray the kinds of tensions that were uh, held not only in the general public, but in the people with power, Mm -hmm. in the DA's office and the police. 
Well, uh, so you give it a thumbs up. I, I think I'm turned around on this. I saw the first 10 minutes of it, and I was put off by Bacon's accent. And um, Although, I got to say, the, the, the other voice you heard at the beginning of the trailer was an African-American actor whose name escapes me. But if you're a fan of Lost, he played Mr. Echo on Lost, and he played out of BC on Oz. And he's, he's, he's really a great actor, that guy. Uh, and you said, just to put a button on it, you said that it's fun seeing Boston landmarks in the yeah, show. Yeah, you know, you see the Parker House, you see the Suffolk County Courthouse, the old Suffolk County Courthouse, yeah. Government Center. Uh, you know, they'll be down in Faneuil Hall. They're having dinner in restaurants that you mm. recognize. Wow. And and so, and yet they, I don't know if there's some CGI involved, but it, it, it's... It's a period piece. It's not, I don't know, if they shot it recently, they would have to I, make some changes. I think they've been very the, careful. You don't right. see the Zakem Bridge. Okay, right. For example. Yeah, <laughs> that would throw it off. Yes, it would. Yes. Okay, um, well, you've successfully navigated the Boston Vault. Congratulations. Oh, okay. All right, we get it. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna have Laurie get in a plug for an event that her firm is holding. And then we are going to get to this compelling bit about how Laurie is connected to wicked famous people that I mentioned before. Um, but please, your your firm, yeah. uh, Morse, <clears throat> and nothing else, has, the, has an event coming up on October 24th. And, and, and go ahead for our professional audience. Tell us about and that. And before I do that, yes. in your very kind introduction, you allowed people to believe that I even in my earlier days, was uh, compelling enough to be mistaken for a managing partner of yes. my firm. And I want to make the point to say we do have a woman who is the managing partner of my firm Good. now, uh, Lisa Warren. And we also have an executive director who is a woman, Gretchen Pratt. And we have any number, I think we have 13 female attorneys out of a law firm of 40 lawyers Women with power uh, is not a new theme to my firm, and it continues. Even though we continue to evolve and modernize, the theme of diversity and equality in my firm remains what it's always been, well, dedicated. Good on you. Uh, so I'm, glad I wanna, I want, no, well, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, well, I mean, you were, you, as I said, you've been a very important part of the firm for a long time. Um, and that people may not realize that it continues to be rare, more rare than it should be. Right. The, the, the legal industry has, you know, there have been many formal efforts in the name of diversity in this area. And, you know, the, you look at the numbers and in law school, this is not new news. This is going a few years back. The women outnumbered the men in law schools and perhaps even practicing lawyers in the, uh, the state. But when you, you still, when you look at the, the higher ups, the managing partners, the partner level lawyers, there's still a lot of work to do, right? So yes. it's good that your firm is one of the ones leading the way. So good. Yeah, and it is unusual, and I do point that out. I would also like to say that from its inception, the firm has been unusual uh, in its dedication to treating people well, both inside and outside the mm -hmm. firm. And the guiding management philosophy has always been if you treat every person with respect and dignity, and make sure that uh, each person knows that their contributions are both valuable and valued, then when you need them, they'll rise to the occasion. Ooh. And our firm has always put both the partner's money where that uh, slogan goes, but also 
just in their dealings. It's not a typical corporate law firm, and it never has been. Mm -hmm. And although, as I say, we continue to evolve and change, such as changing our name in the past year, rebranding it to Morse, um, we found people, as you found, it's a mouthful to say Morse Barnes Brown and Pendleton. Everybody just called it Morse anyway. We made it official. Uh, in any event, this is not a paid ad for Morse. But no, it's not a paid ad. But, but <laughs> you're lucky. One, I like you so much, Lord. One, now, of, go the, ahead, tell one us. of the reasons that I wanted to mention this event, which takes place on Thursday, October 24th, you can learn more about it by going to www.morse.law/events/privacy, and you'll find out about confronting privacy fears practical approaches to challenges in the U.S. and the EU. Uh, We're in partnership with one of our colleague firms from the Law Exchange International, a British firm called Hewitson's. We've been proactive about the changing needs of our clients and have been dealing with privacy and data security issues for years. Uh, At this event, you'll be able to learn more about practical approaches to the challenges facing every business and knowing this is a hot topic. Again, www.morse.law slash events slash privacy. Give you all the information you need. And I will mention a number of our attorneys are certified information privacy professionals or credentialed as CIPP, C-I-P-P, which is important to those of us who know about the privacy and data security area of law. Thanks, Laurie. And we will have all that info in the show notes of this episode of the podcast. And if you're watching on the Adori app, A-D-O-R-I, go to the app store, download it. You'll have all the information right there, right on your phone. You can click through right now, as a matter of fact. I do want to take a minute to tell you about our sponsor, the United States Postal Service, second largest employer in the U.S., offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today at usps.com slash careers. From mail carriers to corporate management, the USPS works together to provide efficient, affordable service to the American public. The workers are the backbone of its service, and USPS wants to develop and advance careers, so its development programs train and prepare employees for promotions and growth in a variety of business areas. Everything you need to know is at that site, usps.com slash careers. And it's the policy of the Postal Service to provide equal employment opportunity and prevent employment discrimination. The Postal Service seeks to attract and retain a diverse Workforce, just like the law firm of Morse does and has been doing for years, by the way, (laughs) as I was saying, in which employees respect and value each other's differences and work to promote collaboration, flexibility and fairness so that all employees are able to participate and contribute to their full potential. Apply today. Website, once again, USPS.com slash careers. The United States Postal Service deliver for the nation. So in the time remaining, Lori. You need to tell us how you are connected. Which one do you want to do first? Let's do your mom first. Your mom, and how do you explain this picture on the internet, which is not on the screen now because I can't find it. Anyway, we're just looking at a a photo of your mom with Cary Grant, the one and only Cary Grant, the the top Hollywood star of his generation, arguably. How do I explain that? Yeah, explain that, Lori. Well, I don't know the picture you're referring to, although there there are many, so I can't be too specific, but they were engaged uh, for a number of years. And in fact, if you go to any Cary Grant biography, you'll be able to look up my mother's name. Her name was, her stage name. Now we're looking at the picture. Her her stage name was Phyllis Brooks. Phyllis Brooks, right. And uh, she actually met Carrie by being invited to a party uh, at the house that Cary Grant was sharing at the time with Randolph Scott, although there have been rumors about 
just what else they were sharing at the time. My mother <laughs> would vouch for the fact that uh, there was no intimation in any way hmm. that uh, Carrie was anything but uh, interested, very interested in women. But in any event, she'd been invited to a party and she brought her best friend who desperately wanted to meet Carrie Grant. Mm-hmm. And they went to the party and wouldn't you know, Carrie was not interested in the best friend. He sort of had a bee on beeline on my mother and uh, became very interested and sought her out and they started going out. And they were together on and off for, I think, about two and a half, if not three years. And, and they're in, so she's living in Hollywood this whole time? Yeah, yep. she was making films. Um, she was never uh, a big star, although she still was getting fan mail uh, in her later years. People would find where she was. Uh, she was in two Shirley Temple movies, Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm. She's the nasty lady singer. And in Little Miss Broadway with Jimmy Durante, she, wow. was, she was the uh, heroine who mm-hmm. adopts Shirley Temple. And she also made two Charlie Chan, uh, Charlie Chan in Reno and Charlie Chan in Honolulu. <laughs> and in one, she was the murderer. And in the All other, right. they thought she was the murderer, but she wasn't. Wow. But she made other films, some very interesting film noir uh Films like uh, City Girl mm-hmm. that is kept in the UCLA vaults because they consider it so representative of the film noir uh, school of artistry. But in any event, I think what she had was a great time and a great social life, uh, both with Carrie and with other people that she hung out with during those years. She never was an ambitious actress, but in the depression her family lost all their money and she was spotted when she accompanied that same best friend to uh, a tryout for a modeling gig Mm. and they didn't choose the best friend they chose my mother she was the she was the ipana toothpaste girl and and she did ads for Wait a minute. Chesterfield. You're talking about uh, brush up, brush up, brush, yeah. uh, brush with yeah, new yeah, But it was, it was earlier. It was way back. This <laughs> oh, okay. is print ads, and wow. she was the I Panna toothpaste girl. Yep. But that's how she sort of fell into it, and she enjoyed her work, but she was not a driven actress who was dying to get on stage or dying to be in the movies. She thoroughly enjoyed her social life, and she was quite in love with Cary Grant for a long time. Wow. And that didn't work out, and she ended up coming back east. She it didn't work out, but she came east because well, she, she came had, east. I should say she, she was well, born she, in she born in no, Idaho. If she so, was born in yeah. Idaho, but she lived most of her time in uh, outside of Chicago okay. and in Larchmont and Westchester County. And she had met my father because she was the first civilian woman in the Pacific Theater of War on a USO tour with Gary Cooper and Una Merkel uh, during World War II, and my father was stationed in the theater of war because he was in PTs, and he spotted her, and he was interested, and one of his pals at the time was uh, Al Vanderbilt, who had known my mother from their adolescence, and Al Vanderbilt introduced them, Mm -hmm. and my father had left law school to uh, join up after Pearl Harbor, and he brought my mother, my mother back east. They got mm. married and came and lived in Cambridge. And here we are 
gushing about your your mom and her career in film and and hobnobbing and elbowing with the the glitterati and your dad is a big shot in politics right well i'm not sure he was a big shot he was more humble than that and he was focused on being a true public servant meaning mm-hmm. he thought the idea of being elected uh and he was a congressman from, for 21 years he yeah. died in office at the young age of 58 but he thought you were supposed to serve the public that was his idea of public service can you imagine ac- actually the gall through. of that guy i know imagine yeah and he was well known in massachusetts politics but he's he died in 1976 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a long time ago and not many people are old enough to remember him and you mentioned there's a kennedy connection as there is with so many stories of Boston politics. Tell us that. Well, my father was uh, the late president's college roommate at Harvard, and they remained friends all their lives until Jack was uh, killed. And there were some people who said my father never got over the assassination in 1963, but my father was an usher at uh, Jack and Jackie's wedding and was an honorary pallbearer at his funeral. Mm. Uh, and the irony is, is that when they were in college, when they were at Harvard, uh, my father was sort of more of the center of attention at that time because he was the captain of the Harvard football team. Wow. Quarterback? No. What, do you know what position he played? No. Uh, he was Defense. a back. Tailback. He was <laughs> okay. a tailback. Well, that's important too. Yeah, tailback. I have to remember. He no, was that's a okay. tailback. Yeah. By the way, Laurie, I'm looking at um, your dad's Wikipedia page, and yeah. one of the final lines reads, uh, Wed your mom in Tarrytown, New York. They remained married until his death. They had four children, the eldest of whom was President Kennedy's gotcha. godson. Yeah. You're not mentioned on the Wikipedia page. What no. the hell? <laughs> Come on. No, How about his, his daughter is a very successful executive at a law firm? How about that? How about that? Well, I think, I think the point <laughs> right is... No Wikipedia. Uh, as we uh, Wikipedia or otherwise, is that my parents lived lives that would not be possible today. You could have Bill Gates's money or Jeff Bezos money and not have the social life my mother had because mm. it doesn't exist anymore. And you could have all the money and power that you would seek in politics today and you could not duplicate what my father and his generation of public servants were able to do because they lived in an era when people actually thought you were supposed to try to help other people and you were, your job was to guard the Constitution, but it was also to make life better for the rest of the citizenry. And we don't live in that world anymore, and you can't have the, the world that my mother had. She spent time, I'll give you a quick example. She, she and Carrie spent time on the weekends at San Simeon, which was William Randolph Hearst's uh, Made famous in in, uh, the Orson Welles movie, Citizen Kane, that that home. Um, And it doesn't exist. You don't have the the mystery and the glamour and uh, the kinds of opportunities that Mm. were afforded to both of them. And so... They, Arist- they aristocrats. Let, you don't hear the word aristocrats unless you're telling they, that old they joke. They're not aristocrats. I consider <laughs> sounds anyone are, sounds say, pretty aristocrat to me. No, <laughs> it, it, it's an oxymoron. 
Uh, excuse me, it's an oxymoron to say that there are aristocrats from Malden. And, <laughs> okay, and my father was uh, a kid from Malden who was a tremendous athlete and a very good student uh, who worked his way up. And my, my mother's life was a different story, but uh, no, not aristocrats. Mm-hmm. And all of those stories and $3 will buy me the globe. So. <laughs> Well, it's bought me the the best. Uh, it didn't buy me anything, but it's uh, this. This is a tremendous, tremendous story, and I didn't know this about you and your parents, which is so cool. And I'm going to include. By the way, we didn't. Need, I don't know if we mentioned your dad's name. Your dad's name was was Torbert McDonald, also known as Torby. And we'll put the info in the show notes in case you want to learn more about this guy and his life in public service. It sounds like you take a lot from both your parents in terms of values. Is that oh, I fair think to say? Don't you think that's true of all of us? We, we've learned what we've learned by the environment in which we were raised. I'm a big fan of believing nurture is more important than nature in most cases when it comes mm. to value systems. And I adore my parents, and I probably don't tell them enough because now with, with, the, with the gray hair that you see on me, well, what's left of it anyway, you know, the older I get, the more, as parents, we, you know, we want... Um, we want to be the the best we possible can. I, I'm reminded from some reason of the Steve Martin movie, Parenthood, where the whole theme of the movie is he is so stressed the whole movie because he wants to be this parent. And ironically, he passes down that stress to his son. But in but it's the sort of thing where in the end, it all works out okay. And life's never perfect. And you're on a roller coaster, not a merry-go-round. And you do your best. But I want to tell my parents, you know, they, they're still around, you know, my folks, and I want to tell them they get A pluses. I mean, and, and when we talk about values and you talk about how your father was dedicated to public service. And I remember my mom telling me about civil rights. And I remember my mom crying in the car when she heard um, a radio rebroadcast of Kennedy's assassination, just weeping. And I remember being like eight years old and being like, what? She did mommy, did you know President Kennedy? And it's like, well, no, I didn't know him. Might have campaigned for him at one point. But it was uh, it was the end of something very happy, you know. And so I, I you know, I feel like she she passed on a lot of that to me. Um, and, you know, the little things, the little memories like, David, can you remember, uh, did, did you realize that women didn't used to be able to vote? It, and it wasn't that that distant in history that this was actually a thing. And I remember going, oh, my God, Mommy, I can't believe that. And I was, I'm always reminded of that. I was reminded of that when the, when the gay marriage thing came around. Because one day, I think I'm going to say to my grandkids, they didn't used to let gay people get married. Can you, can you believe that? You know? I, I, do, I have to be a grandmother for a moment and mm-hmm. tell you that my oldest grandfather daughter was probably about seven and her parents took her along with them when they went to cast a vote and my son said to her the very same thing uh, Claire do you know there was a time when women were not allowed to vote in this country oh, yeah. and her reaction was oh, did the boys know <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I thought that was perfect yeah, yeah. is that it was so inconceivable to her that there would be any discrimination right. she couldn't believe the boys would have allowed that to happen right the boys <laughs> if the boys knew they would have fixed it right yeah, that's funny that. yeah yeah um and that's one of the nice things about i mean look i mean to be blunt hate is not dead we know that we know there's hate in this country but but there is, you know, my son's generation, my son, I'm uh, thinking about my younger son, who's 17. 
I think they are very, um, what's the word, almost blasé about the whole thing. Like gay marriage, of course. Why, why wouldn't? Why wouldn't you? And that's great that that, that maybe that that thinking is changing. I had a good moment with my son. We were I just I took him out to dinner recently, and he he turn he will turn eighteen this year. Do I have that right? No, next year he turns eighteen next year. But next year is a, is um, obviously the presidential election, and so it dawned on us both. I said, "You're going to be able to vote." He goes, what do you mean? No, I won't be old enough. I go, no, next year you'll be 18. You're going to be able to vote for president. And his eyes kind of widened. And he's like, wow. <laughs> it's it's kind of cool. I can't believe it that this this kid who I feel like I was just changing his diapers yesterday, he's going to you know vote. He'll vote for the right person. Don't worry. Whoever that may be. Uh, well, we're up against the clock here, Lori. We could go on. I might have to have you back on the show because we didn't even get into a lot of the stuff we had talked about. And um, but thank you for sharing those stories about your family. I, I think that's that's cool, and I'm I'm fascinated by that. I have a distant relative, like a second aunt or something, who was in Beetlejuice. Uh, she's probably like the twentieth person credited in the movie Beetlejuice. <laughs> she did other things too, but I didn't bring her up before because it can't match uh, what your mom did. Did you have fun? I have a lot of fun, David, but I always do with you. Oh, you're the sweetest. And likewise, you're one of my favorite people in the world. And I I I wanted to talk about. Um, what you're all about and sort of what your core values are because it, it's clearly done you so well and, and and you, I think, make such a great impression on everyone you meet. And I think a lot of that came out in this podcast. I promised I wasn't <laughs> going to cry, but it's just so nice, Laurie. So once again, the Morse Law Firm, no longer known as Morse, Barnes, Brown, and Pendleton, is Morse, I shouldn't even say it, strike that from the record. It's funny because I'm reminded of Jordan's Furniture Waltham. For years, they used to say, you remember what they used to say? Jordan's Furniture Wealth Lab, no longer, no longer confused with Jordan Marsh. <laughs> Kill me. So Morse, no longer known as Morse, the other stuff. And you can find them at morselaw.com. And you can find, I mean, your contact info is on there, Laurie, I take it, right? Yes, it is. Yes. And so uh, the finest lawyers you will find, the good kind, and we all know there are a few bad ones, but they're the good kind. And uh, all the information on their website, is the information for the October 24th event on the website? Yes. They find we, it? You'll find it we there. Gave, we gave that earlier. We did. We gave it there. It is at morse.law slash events slash privacy. There you go. Find it. And um, for you lawyers out there, check it out. That's October 24th. Thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. Once again, thanks to our sponsors at the U.S. Postal Service, USPS.com slash careers. Our friends at Adori, our favorite uh, podcast people out there, download the Adori Podcast app at the App Store. And I hope everyone has a nice, nice day and a little bit of spiritual juju for you today with Laurie on behalf of the great Laurie McDonald. My name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. See ya. You must be the other guy.